0: Hey everybody! Welcome to Trash Cinema. I'm your host Michael. My co-host Kersey is on the other side. I barely almost tripped over that. Holy shit! Hold 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 up! Hold up! This isn't trash
1: cinema. Oh my god! <laughs> you know why I thought that? that sleeping pill is kicking in a lot earlier. No no
0: no, the no, no 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 no! It's not that. It's the fact of the movie I chose. In my head, I said, "Well, the first one's kind of trashy, and that's why I said this is not trash cinema." <laughs> That'll happen later. We're gonna do a mini-series where we we'll return to doing some garbage movies. But this is actually Thrill Me, the podcast devoted to horror and thrillers of the eighties and nineties. We are now in year nineteen eighty-two, and we're we'll discussing Sword and the Sorcerer and Conan the Barbarian, but seriously, Sword and the Sorcerer, I enjoy. It's goofy, but it is trashy.
1: Mm.
0: They're kind of both trashy in their weird ways. I can see that. I,
1: I think, uh, I mean, we'll definitely get more into it, but overall, I would definitely say Sword and the Sorcerer definitely has got that sort of style. And then Conan the Barbarian does have some one-liners here and there, so yeah, there's definitely kind of that cheese on
0: there. It. Yeah, it's, it's shocking to me, and this will be shocking to you. Sword and the Sorcerer made more money. Wow. Yep. That's incredible. Uh, the guys who produced Alligator uh, decided two years later to uh, make Sword and the Sorcerer for $2.5 million. They raked in 36 while Conan the Barbarian cost $18 million and only made $32. And uh, the guys who made Sword and the Sorcerer said, Fuck it, this is the only movie we're going to make now, and we're done. We're cashing out. And it's just kind of bouncing around. I don't know who owns the rights, what's going on with it. But uh, yeah, I'm shocked to this day that it made more money.
1: Yeah, that is super weird. Um, should we should we talk about like the the plot of the
0: movie first? Uh, uh, okay, movie? so you love to do this. You're a more coherent person. Than I am. I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> the, the thoughts in my head. I think I've said this before. The thoughts in my head are like pinballs, and I'm trying to control it with the paddles. And then sometimes I oh, I got one pinball. Guess what? Bonus round. I got four. That's how my <laughs> thoughts work, and I'm not very good at. You are better, so I'm going to shut my piehole and let you go. All right. Sword and the Sorcerer
1: is your basic uh, sort of... You know what? I don't know. I'm mean, say like basic. So it's kind of a revenge plot. It's basically a, uh, a man tries to overthrow a king with the help of a demon. Um, and then he betrays the demon uh, right as they're about to do the final attack on the kingdom. Uh, the son of the king uh, escapes barely with his life. And then basically grows up to be kind of a Han Solo-esque mercenary um, taking on jobs. And one of his uh, jobs that he takes up happens to be um, saving the brother of a woman from the king that that killed his father. And that's basically the plot.
0: Yeah, now if I had told you that same thing, we'd still be at the very beginning. Because (laughs) this movie's fucking crazy in... It goes
1: in some weird place.
0: Yeah, but that is the through line. That is the basic through line. But there's some weird fucking shit in this. And there's some horror elements in this. And I think I looked it up. It came out two months before Conan. So maybe that's why people were sword and sorcery crazy. And this just, you know, uh, served that need until Conan came out.
1: Yeah. So I was...
0: Yeah, when I first started it, I was like,
1: I, 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 get, I, I, get, I think I know what this is going to be. I, I'm not really into it. I'm not really into fantasy as a genre in general. And then the opening just totally went in this weird, dark, demon uh, area where it's like he's summoning a devil and he's like pulling people's hearts out with telekinesis I'm like whoa okay I love this movie
0: well there's the faces that are coming out of the wall I don't know what the fuck that's about it's so yeah i mean there's throughout this there's some like you know tearing bodies apart you know the part where he transforms into the demon there's a lot of killing there's a crazy ass fucking sword which i still have no idea how it could possibly work because co2 cartridges did not
1: (laughs) exist back then. that was the other thing too i was like holy shit we there's he has a sword that shoots miniature swords out of it i was like okay this this immediately is is incredible and then it kind of immediately slides right back into what I thought the movie was going to be. Right. And really, and it, I got really disappointed after
0: that. You can see there's chunks of this that feel almost like, oh, well, it's just Star Wars, but set in Sword Sorcery times. Like you said, there's a yes. Han Solo character with Saving the Princess, and she's kind of a smartass. And, you know, the elements are there, but they just didn't go further enough into this hellish landscape. There is another movie that we're going to watch for trash cinema that's like this. Um, but it's directed by Lucio Fulci, and he's the Italian master of gore. And he did a sword and sorcery movie called Conquest, which is a total mind fuck. The whole movie feels like you dropped acid while in a dream. And there's mm-hmm. some insane horror, gore, cannibals. It's just fucking nuts.
1: Yeah, it feels like after the first 15 minutes of the movie was just like all one director, and then the studio comes in. It's like what the fuck are you guys doing you can't make a movie like this because it's no one's gonna understand it's gonna be alienating we got to go han solo and then yeah. the rest of the movie just kind of feels like uh like, like a total box standard issue adventure movie right
0: i want the first 15 the last 15 that's just an episode of some anthology set in sword sorcery world
1: yeah because it, it gets kind of weird and convoluted at one point um so it, He's he he goes to face uh, didn't they just like push the demon off a cliff like it was like really anticlimactic at yeah. the beginning it, yeah, where the, was guy who's gonna, of... the guy who's going to overthrow the king all of a sudden like, the demon's just walking around with a robe and then he's like well I guess we don't need you anymore goodbye and then pushes him off a cliff and he's like you think you just killed a demon <laughs> by doing that and, like, what? Well, and I... then it turns out that the guy was actually the demon the whole time because he had gotten his revenge or something like that and then the main character who's like Ark, is to kill the man who killed his father and assume his position as king it, it is instead fighting the demon, not the actual guy. So it's like, what the hell's going on? There's no arcs here.
0: Right. Well, also, he even says, I have no quarrel with you. Get the fuck out of my way. I have uh, Richard Lynch plays the villain. He's like one of these arch nemesis guys who popped up all through the 80s. I mean, it's the eyebrows, dude. Well, the one big thing is that in the Thanks. 70s, like, the really early 70s, I believe, he was doing a protest against Vietnam. I'm pretty sure this is... I might have the story wrong, but he set himself on fire, then realized, oh, fuck, and they put him out. And his skin was just completely, like, melted. And they... So he has a very particular look that makes him, I guess, hireable as a villain?
2: but hmm. Interesting.
0: But, um, yeah, the whole middle chunk, I think, is ridiculous. You're, you're getting a lot of, like, uh, California actors uh, showing up to, say, like, this British... Like convoluted Lord of the Rings talk like uh, Kiligon is over at Mastodon, whatever, and you're like this is just fucking gibberish, stop it just <laughs> stop it, I'm not buying any of it and uh like I said, I really like the first 15 minutes I love the last 15 minutes the fact that he gets crucified and they're all just watching him as he's ripping it out yeah, that's fine but you don't get to have a crazy ass fight sequence where you're swinging around a sword like it's no pain in your hands whatsoever. You have spikes right. through your fucking palms. Yeah, I mean, if you
1: if you're into a like uh, a B movie Han Solo, I mean, then I guess this movie is for you. Um, it is kind of. I am a little disappointed that there's this great movie that sandwiches
0: a kind of mediocre one. Yeah. The the whoever designed the swords, they get a they deserve a special fucking reward because not only do you have the sword with the shooting uh, bits, uh, but also under that it has a sword in the handle, and then it has the bad guy has his cane with the two blades on it, and those can separate. I was like, whoever designed these had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but that's it on that one. Uh, now the Gold Star, the the standard for decades till like Lord of the Rings came out was Conan the Barbarian, and the difference between the two movies is fucking Conan the Barbarian's gory and it's got crazy monsters, but it does not hold back from its R rating.
1: Yeah, I was actually surprised. I had not really wanted to watch it just because, again, not a fan of the genre, and I've seen some clips of it, and you know, Arnold acting is is uh pretty in its infancy uh with this movie but I was actually surprised by how good it is Uh, it it really it's not even so much a movie about a bloodthirsty barbarian just killing people there actually is it actually is sort of character driven
0: yeah the score is just incredible you tell me that classical music and movie music are separate fuck you because you listen to the score on this and (laughs) it's so big and sweeping uh, the special effects are great for 1982. I cannot believe how they were able to pull off some of the slices. I mean, there's a part where he goes in, during the cannibal scene, the cannibal orgy scene, and mm-hmm. he does a swing and the stomach just explodes. That had to be so hard to do back then.
1: Yeah, to be fair, I did notice there was some moments where the choreography doesn't quite hold up where he's, you know, taking a swing and clearly not hitting somebody and they're doing a the reaction. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We can forgive those. I mean, he... he it's a it's a huge Austrian dude swinging his, his six foot sword, so yeah. of course there's going to be some mistakes in there. There's but. a
0: lot of philosophical stuff going on, and this came out, um, you know, at the end of the whole cult craze, which I think we did "Ticket to Heaven," I think a couple of years ago, yeah. where it was about you know the, these cults that brainwash you and turn you into you know something you're not, and that's a big center of this movie is the cult of the snake.
1: It, not not only that, but also just like the uh, this the psychological sort of damage that comes with uh being a slave because like Conan is beefy as fuck and is a trained killer and yet does not want to be freed by his masters.
0: Yeah. He and does then it. him
1: having to live on his own. He's scared and vulnerable even though he's this huge dude. So there is this interesting there's a really interesting character in there and he's also really curious. Uh he's uh fairly smart as well there, there's a lot going on for him than just being a guy that hacks people in half
0: yeah I, I like and i read the books like crazy growing up uh the, the the beginning when he goes to steal well not in the beginning but it's like halfway through the movie where he goes into the tower to steal the jewel from the snake monster um that's reminiscent of uh fuck the elephant in the tower i think is what it is it's one of the very first conan stories um, he's like 18 and he hooks up with a guy just like Sabotai, his best friend, and they go in and there's a giant spider creature um, guarding uh, this jewel. And that's as close as it gets to the books. The, so this is just like almost a different timeline. If you're a huge fan of the books, you've somehow never seen this movie, just understand that they had to condense a lot of the story into a, a two hour movie. Because this goes from when he's a slave until he's almost, you know, a full you know, warrior, not king yet, but he, he's getting there.
1: Yeah, I think they they balanced um, a lot of humor uh, with a lot of genuine moments, which I also was not expecting, uh, especially from just having watched Sword and Sorcerer um, leaning a lot heavier on the fun action-adventure style and very jovial, where this one does have a lot of uh, kind of dark moments to it.
0: Yeah, it, well, it has a lot on its mind, too, especially Conan. Uh, yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger is at, not at his, like, 90s peak, where he finally, like, oh, he's got the accent, you know, the, he, he can understand what he's saying, and he's truly emotive. Um, I think Schwarzenegger's underrated. I think he's, like Van Damme, I think is crippled by his accent. But, mm-hmm. um... There's moments when Conan is just like, you know, talking to Krom, his god, and he's like, look, if you're not going to help, I don't need you. Go to hell, whatever. He ponders a lot. He's very pensive.
1: Yeah, there's a moment when he, again, something I didn't expect to see in a movie about a barbarian is a conversation about religion uh, with his friend. And just kind of being able to joke about the the seriousness of the afterlife is something that was very interesting.
0: And I love uh, the final sequence is truly one of the greatest action sequences ever. And a lot of it is because the director is John Milius. And John Milius is just one of these guys who directed maybe like a dozen movies, really burnt himself out in Hollywood because I guess he was very difficult to work with. Um, But he was big on strategy, military strategy, definitely. And he used a lot of that in designing the final sequence.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I love that. It kind of reminded me of 13 Assassins, which is kind of a more recent a uh, siege type movie uh, involving swords um so uh, yeah it, it was it was delightful it was uh weirdly profound in some places and it was a really interesting character and i i was shocked when i watched it uh that how good it was Yeah, i mean some parts obviously don't hold up over time but it's it's a solid watch
0: the uh the sequel in 1984 um it has no, a... we don't have we don't have to talk about that. no 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 will t- uh that one is they decide to make it pg and they didn't go with John Milius because he was too busy making Red Dawn and it's like a kid's movie with insane amount of blood for a PG movie but it just doesn't work as well.
1: Yeah, it, uh, I have not seen it in full but I've seen many clips um and it does not look it looks more like sword sorcerer yeah which it, it's kind much of makes sense because they got their they got their ass kicked by that movie and they're like all right i guess we'll just lean in that direction
0: yeah it, it ditches all the philosophy there's no pensiveness the monster is low rent um but yeah. So that's it for this episode actually shorter than i expected but conan the barbarian is an all-time classic i'm glad you finally got to see it
1: yeah thanks for suggesting it. otherwise i probably wouldn't have watched it but i'm glad i did
0: And uh, so we're going to be jumping into 1983, and we have a Stephen King double feature. And here's the... Or, unless you want to go for triple. Do you want to go for triple, double down? We have Cujo, we have Dead Zone, and we have Christine.
1: Uh, Dude, triple down. I just watched Dead Zone last week, so I'm... All right.
0: So it's going to be a a first triple feature on Thrill Me, and we're going to be doing a uh, Stephen King. Ba-boom! (laughs) This will make up for how lame... Children of the Corn is. Cough, cough. Don't get mad at me. I don't like Children of the Corn very much.
1: <laughs> Dude, I, I actually like Children of the Corn.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to be discussing when we hit 1984 <laughs> and we have Firestarter also 1984. We're, we're hitting a streak now where a lot of the independent companies are starting to back off because they didn't make their nut. And it's more about like Paramount, Universal, you know, Fox and all of them. They're starting to come in and, and, and pick up good writers, good directors, and, and names that you know. All right, well, I'm I'm excited. All right, check us out on Facebook under uh, Hit Rewind Podcast, and that is it. See ya. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Comics on Infinite Earths. This is going to be a double-sized episode where we're discussing Batman, A Lonely Place of Dying... And whilst we're also discussing kind of a light conversation on old school valiant comics, I'm your host Michael. And this episode, Jacob is our guest. Hey, Jacob, what's up?
3: What up, guys? I'm ready to discuss some nerd, nerdish stuff. <laughs> oh
0: my god! You might know uh, Jacob because <laughs> we do the other podcast back in Tunes together, and he, he you have done a couple episodes of this, but for the most part, it's been kind of a rotating cast. I don't know. We we may be doing like supersized episodes during the summer, like a a, a roundup of like what's going on in the comic world i went and saw guardians of the galaxy uh you have not seen it yet and i will say this uh (laughs) i still like the first one better there's certain aspects of the sequel that work so well oddly enough the humor doesn't work i think a lot of the jokes hit a wall and they're just like oh boy but there's a lot more heart it's way more complex in the colors my god the colors
3: it, that kind of brings you back to like the, like those old 80s uh, sci-fi retro movies.
0: Yeah, it kind of felt, uh, you see a lot of influence. I swear there's one sequence strictly taken from like Superman 4. Uh, it feels like Canon Pictures slash Gordon, that kind of like bright uh, detail. Um, it feels a little bit like uh, Masters of the Universe, you know, that kind of look. And um, there's even like, almost an homage to The Last Starfighter in there.
3: Well, I mean, knowing James Gunn and, like, you know, what he grew up on, I'm pretty sure that's what influenced his, uh, you know, look and feel of this film.
0: Yeah. But it's... I've
3: yet to see it. But I did look up some uh, – a couple uh, Easter egg spoilers. I will say this. Um, should I, I mean, uh, as far as, like, one of the post credit scenes, I do realize that they're going to introduce Adam Warlock.
0: That's – yeah, it took me a second. I was Adam, that's not who I expected. I expected him to, like, you know, Quasar or, or – uh... Um, Captain Marvel. Not the uh, girl Captain Marvel, but, you know, the old school Captain Marvel, because, you know, I think they're supposed to be the Kree, uh, if I caught that correctly, they don't look like the Kree in the comics, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Take some liberties with the movie. Oh, no, not at
3: all. <laughs> yeah. Although, they'd have to, I mean, if they introduced the Kree, they didn't have to introduce the Skrulls, and then yeah, if they, they introduced the Skrulls, they have to bring in Fantastic Four, <laughs> but they could do Fantastic Four once the foxes, uh, Uh, just in case Fox doesn't renew the license for Fantastic Four, which they can't, because it didn't make them any money. So, yeah, no, Fox, you done fucked up. You gotta let that shit go.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're gonna do an X-Men versus Fantastic Four like they had hinted at. I just don't see the room for that. It would be kind of cool, though. I know. The The thing in Wolverine went up. Well, I guess the Wolverine can't now. The thing in Deadpool?
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, God, Deadpool would have too much fun. Way too much fun. Uh, So,
0: (laughs) beforehand, I saw trailers for the new Star Wars, and also for Spider-Man Homecoming. And I was not sold on the movie at all. Because, you know, I actually quite enjoyed Andrew Garfield's performance. And I'm still pissed that they didn't finish the trilogy. But I'm kind of sold on uh, the new kid. What's his name? Tom Holland?
3: Uh, yeah, Tom Holland, yes. No, he definitely brings out the young, um, kind of nerdy aspect of Peter Parker. But not too 60s nerdy like Tobey Maguire was. Not your stereotypical dumb... Goofy nerd, but I am sold on the fact that it is going to be incorporated into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that Spider Man will have a large role and hopefully eventually set up more uh, Spider Man adventures, including I hope someday Carnage.
0: Maybe I, I know there's a lot of bad taste in the mouth over Venom, so I'm not sure they'll do Carnage for a while. I still want Craven, I thought Craven would be a great um, villain, but mix him in with someone else, like another beast like creature, maybe a rhino. Or a kind of obscure one. There's one called Carrion whose touch was literally death. It was like instant cancer. You yeah, I remember him. Yeah, yeah, he was a villain from uh, Maximum
3: Cardage as well.
0: There, Morbius.
3: Uh, I want to set up Morbius. I want to see uh, Midnight
0: Suns. Oh yeah. You got Ghost Rider. And, you got Ghost Rider and Agents of Shield. I can't you believe got, that Marvel hasn't tapped into Strange. the dark horror side yet. They got the got the Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night, Moon Knight. Uh, like you said, Morbius. Ghost Right? Well, they did Ghost Right, okay. So technically, they did touch a little bit.
3: Blade was awesome, or at least the first two movies. Yeah, it's, it, but it nice
0: seems like this new Marvel Universe is ditching the dark side.
3: Well, except for the Netflix shows like Daredevil. Daredevil was awesome, and they're do, setting up the Defenders. Yeah, not cool. my
0: Defenders, though, man. I don't understand this Defenders thing. I've been reading Defenders because uh, me and my friend Ken are going to be doing an episode about old-school Defenders. Now, anybody who knows the comic book no, I... knows that it was Silver Surfer, the Incredible Hawk, Doctor Strange, and Submariner, And then later they added some more obscure characters, like when the X-Men split up. Angel, Iceman, and Beast joined the Defenders with Valkyrie and Gargoyle and stuff like that. That's the Defenders I know. This new Defenders they're trying to push on us, that's not Defenders. That's Marvel Knights. That's Heroes for Hire. I don't, this is, it's kind of, uh, it seems ridiculous, because Marvel Knights would be a badass name for a TV show.
3: Oh, hell yeah. They might as well. Shit, like those are all the street heroes.
0: Yeah, I don't get oh, it. I mean, what were they it's
3: thinking? I don't know, but it is cool to know that Punisher is getting his own uh, spin-off, too, after the success of Season 2 of Daredevil.
0: Okay, so back to the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. Now, you watched it, correct?
3: Yes, I did. Uh, We're seeing Vulture, and there's definitely a hint that that guy is definitely Shocker. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. Uh, I
0: wonder if he's going to build a team of, like, techno-oriented villains. So, um, there's the... Tinkerer. What's that?
3: The Tinkerer. I know the Tinkerer is going to be in that movie. Is he? I would love to see The
0: Beetle. Yeah. Now, mind you, The Beetle started off as an uh, Iron Man villain, but he ended up becoming a Spider-Man villain because of Justin Hammer had like a crew of guys that he hired to do his crime. So he had like Shocker, uh, I think Hobgoblin might have been part of it, Hydro Man, Sandman was for a bit, The Beetle. Um,
3: and in this movie, we're definitely getting The Vulture by Michael Keaton.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's Boomerang. Boomerang was kind of a, a lower-tier villain. Scorpion? Scorpion's got that badass tail.
3: Yes. I know. Who knows? They're probably. I mean, especially with what um what we are kind of seeing just from this trailer, we can hope to expect more from Spider Man.
0: Yeah, and uh, also they showed the Thor trailer, which you had told me to go watch immediately, and I watched it, and I was like, man, I don't know. Thor two was kind of a. It was okay, but I wasn't like excited about it. And I watched this one. I'm like, oh hell yes! You see Jeff Goldblum. He's like, who do we got? And uh, you know they've chopped off Thor's hair, and he comes out and he puts on that helmet and he pulls down the fins. He finally looks like as close as possible without looking ridiculous the Thor that we know from the comics
3: yeah I mean in the first movie we saw his classic winged helmet but in this this looks like you know ultimate the ultimate Thor yeah and yeah. also fucking Hella destroyed his fucking hammer like holy shit that's a immediately in the beginning of the trailer you know some shit's gonna go down
0: <laughs> and of course we got the Hulk facing off with him uh that was a great yeah. moment. I th- you, I imagine they're going to have Mark Ruffalo in it, but they didn't show him at all. So it was kind of more of a teaser oh, yeah. explanation.
3: Oh, no, definitely. He's going to be in it. Um, There is even, like, a leaked trailer of Thor Ragnarok. I think, what a year ago? Yeah, like, about uh, I think it was last year. It was just, like, leaked footage. Uh, it was just a leaked trailer. It uh, wasn't too well put together. It only showed a few clips. But it definitely showed... Uh, Mercu Follow running away from some guys on a distant planet, oh, okay. and then Hulk's out and get, beats up some uh, Asgardians. Also, uh, I keep forgetting the director's name. He did uh, what we do in the shadows,
0: and uh, he was also uh, Ryan Reynolds' uh, friend in Green Lantern. Oh yeah, you know what we he's do in shadows it. is great. What, what does he have to do with this? Did he is he involved in Thor? He directed. He's directing it. No shit. Wasn't he like Tiki something? No fucking shit. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, jumping from like a, a million dollar movie to a hundred and fifty million dollar movie. Uh you know, there used to be a time when you would work your way up, you go from like a million dollar movie to a ten to a twenty to a thirty, you know, you work your way up slowly to see if you can handle that much yeah. responsibility. Now they got people doing T V episodes that cost five hundred thousand dollars, all of a sudden they're doing a two hundred million dollar movie. Is that a good idea? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes you end up with 47 Ronin, the director has a complete meltdown, and Keanu Reeves has to take over and direct. Now, mind you, I love 47 Ronin. I think it's severely underrated, but that happens sometimes. You know, you, you get guys that don't have enough experience, and they, they crush. Uh, Josh Trank. You know, Josh Trank crumb, crumbled under the pressure. Oh,
3: God, with ah. Fantastic Four. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, he did great with Chronicle. He also did another movie before that, and all of a sudden, they try to give him a Fantastic Four, and... Yeah, just Fox didn't do jack shit. Nobody helped them, and it, it ended up becoming a dud.
0: It's almost as if Fox did it on purpose so they could, you know, get a tax write off. I've heard of studios doing this, making movies that they know are going to be disasters, aren't going to make a dime purposely so they can write it off in their taxes.
3: Yeah, but it's a shame they'll have to. Well, it's not exactly a shame they'll have to give up the rights to Fantastic Four. Hopefully, I mean, Marvel Studios does something with them. But I mean, don't try to incorporate it into the cinematic universe. There's way too much as it is. Honestly, but also, oh, anyway, back to the topic, uh, Comics on Infinite Earth. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, we do get sidetracked. Yeah, I want to say this real quick. I saw the trailer for
0: Pirates of the Caribbean. They said it's the final one. Yeah, it'll be the final one as long as they're not making money. If this one loses money, they're, yeah, it's done, but they'll probably spin it off with someone else. Pirates of the Caribbean, the new generation. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's start off with Valiant Comics. I sent you a crap ton of comics from the, like the early 90s, right when they first started. I, I know that Valiant Comics is like the hottest thing going right now, but I'll tell you the truth. I haven't read anything of the new series. Um, so that kind oh, wow. of makes me uh, a little out of the loop. I've heard great things. They're, they're turning into a cinematic universe. Um, but this is more of a focus on where they started from, and I will say this. It's a mixed bag. Of the titles... I'm going to actually kind of go through all these titles, and you just let me know what you thought of them, and I'll kind of bounce off you. Um, right. So the first one, basically, they had licensed some rights from Gold Key. So they, they got Turok, which is like the big boy, the one that had the video game, and everybody was like crazy yes. about it. I was okay with it. I expected more action. I enjoyed the art by Bart Sears. But uh, what did you think of Turok?
3: Again, for me, uh, when I was reading it, it was definitely a uh... – almost an instant favorite because I grew up knowing it was just a N64 video game and it was just, you know, so fun to play, uh, to finally see some actual depth and character development of, you know, the actual Turok world, it was pretty savage and badass and it definitely went, um, I, again, uh, I, I, it was a uh, definitely a mature direction too, it was definitely for a mature audience. Uh, one issue in particular that I read was, um, they're trying to find uh, one of the archaeologists on the savage earth or mm-hmm. savage land and, um... Basically, uh, there were some of the tribesmen that were actually, you know, thoughtful and actually caring about this archaeologist, she, and, and she wanted to stay and help out and discover it. But again, those within kind of like of the plan of mutiny because they thought they were too weak or this or that. You know, usually what you would get from like uh, like what happens in Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, you know when uh, the certain na- when uh, the you know Native Americans or a certain Native American tribe that sided with the French. That the French were too merciful, so they decided to ambush the rest of the English forces as they left and abandon that outpost and to kill them off. So, the ones that were kind of of subjugating and undermining their elders' uh, rule. And, um, of course, in the end, she ended up getting saved by Turok and the others. And uh, heck, it all took place within, uh, I think it was a southern state, too, because at the end, uh, I think the governor just comes in and decides to pardon (laughs) them.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting series. I feel like I needed to read more of it. I'm actually more curious about the old version of it, Turok, Man of Stone. I mean, it's still kind of the same setup, but uh, I'm just kind of I'm, I'm kind of curious to see a lot of these when their original runs. The same way I am with uh, the oh damn it, what is the company they bought uh, Blue Beetle, Captain Atom? DC. Uh, nah, it was, before, it was DC bought it from someone else. Why the, why the fuck can I get think of this Malibu? No, it was way before that. Let me look it up. I'm such a fool. Uh, Charlton, Charlton. I, I didn't have to look it up, I just remember. Charlton used to be a 60s and 70s kind of company. And they were hot for a while and they kind of started losing money and they ended up selling the rights to those characters to DC. That's what they did. But here's the weird thing is, they didn't sell the rights. They licensed the rights to Valiant. So, while Turok, I want to say it's Turok, Solar Man of the Atom, Magnus Robot Fighter, maybe it was Dr. Mirage, they were all licensed to Valiant Comics, and then when they became McLean Comics, they lost the rights, and they went back and and they're kind of just sitting on them. I don't know why these why these titles are just kind of rotting. Um, it seems like you know if they got them sitting there, why doesn't Valiant license them again and get them going? Right now, they're kind of focused on their own properties.
3: Oh yeah, like um, Bloodshot and Exo Manowar,
0: perhaps. Yeah. Uh... Our, let, let me actually go in alphabetical order. Um, there's one that we won't discuss, which is my favorite because there's so much to go into. It's called Quantum and Woody. This actually came about after Valiant Comics named, uh, got bought out and changed their name to Acclaimed Comics. The reason why we know of the Turok video game, the exo Man, uh, Man of War video game, is because Acclaim video games bought the rights.
3: And it, that's how they created it. Oh, yeah. Huh. That makes sense, yeah, because it wasn't a claim video game. Yeah, that's what. Oh my god, because I remember seeing that label on some of these old comics that, that were sent to me.
0: Yeah, oh, it did, yeah, they changed around. I think ninety eight, I want to say, and then uh, sadly, Acclaim Comics uh, shut down because Acclaim, the video game publisher, uh, I think, ran out of cash and they had to sell the rights. So uh, that's a shame. Most of the video game companies we knew as kids are gone. Oh
3: God, yes, I know. They're pretty much the only uh, the only major big developers are. Um, Sony, Sega. Microsoft, and Nintendo.
0: Yeah, and Sega. And Sega course, is part not around involved, as a console, but as a publisher. Yeah,
3: they usually just stick to mobile games or Sonic video games. Yeah, I mean Sonic's still around. I mean, I'm hoping to see something new from Sonic eventually.
0: Uh, so, back anyway. to the topic at hand: Archer and Armstrong, um, a fan favorite. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's one of those buddy cop yeah, kind of plays. That's exactly
3: what. I, that's exactly what I thought of as like this. Uh, as soon as I saw the cover. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, god damn, yeah, no, Archer just like, kind of screws over Armstrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and then Armstrong's
3: just like, god damn, why should I do you any favors, dick?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got our marines, which I did not care for. Uh, the, the armor's cool, but the only problem is, is when everybody's wearing the same kind of armor, they all look alike. It's it's kind of I get kind of bored when you see that kind of thing, like with uh, Legion of Superheroes or green lantern core when everybody looks the exact same it kind of seems monotonous
3: yeah no it's like not even a different design I mean uh, not even a different letter Yeah, <laughs> like who's who yeah like um, they, can't, they can't use those suits to play football with each other if they're to like play a friendly match and it's like oh shit I thought you were I thought you were Goldstein I'm like no Goldstein's over there I'm over here asshole god damn it Why well, would you do that
0: <laughs> uh we got but, blunt I mean
3: um, didn't have that
0: yeah Bloodshot's the big boy. That's one of the best. Oh, yeah. Oh, Bloodshot. Oh, God,
3: Yes. That's definitely, like, one of its biggest, strongest points. Heck, I I was so glad to pick it up uh, on a free comic book day last year. That I didn't go this year. But it definitely does have a lot of depth and such badass action. I mean, he's, oh, God, I can't even think of the right words to describe him. Damn, like, that's how awesome he is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It has it listed here, but I don't think we read this one. Destroyer. What the hell is Destroyer? I don't recall reading that one destroyer no yeah. but i did read shadow man yeah we'll get to that that's the best one i think of the whole oh, besides you know because they haven't introduced quantum woody yet okay so we got eternal warrior i thought was uh it was okay i wasn't truly excited by it um it was kind of an average title
3: mm, i don't think i got around to reading that one yeah but it did read ninja ninjack
0: or ninja k yeah ninjack um geomancer Ninjok, yeah. is a fucking snooze it's one of these like magic Artsy, fartsy, kind of—I don't know. It, I was—I was bored out of my mind. I didn't even think I even sent you any of those. I sent those to someone else who was more interested. Mm. No, but I was kind of interested in Doctor Mirage. Doctor Mirage is awesome. Uh, Hardcore is another one of those, just like Our Marines, where I felt that everybody was too similar and none of the characters was likable in any way. <laughs>
3: yeah, I don't know. Hardcore didn't really interest me too much, but I will give it a—I will give it a good read through just because.
0: Yeah. Uh, the fan favorite... What? Oh. I'm going... I was going to say... Uh, ex- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Next one is Harbinger, which is a fan favorite, which I thought was another snooze. Um, it's well written, I just didn't care. Uh,
3: I don't know, I never really got around to that either.
0: Yeah. Again, so
3: far the ones I've read were Shadow Man, Armourines, uh, Archer and Armstrong, Dr. Mirage, Ninjak, Exo Manowar, and Bloodshot.
0: Uh, we have Magnus Robot Fighter. I didn't send you any Magnus Robot Fighter
3: i'm not sure it's okay very uh, large pile <laughs> uh
0: magnus is another gold key license he's just this dude in a weird muumu skirt thing where he beats the shit he's got like metal ha- i mean his hands aren't metal but they're like strong as metal and he can like chop sake through robots it's kind of stupid but i Ooh, remember okay. there was a big deal in 1992 where they licensed the rights to uh, the Predator, Dark Horse, and uh, Valiant got together. So it was Predator versus Magnus Robot Fighter. And uh, if you bought 50 copies, you got a silver embossed cover. And for some reason, uh, I had a family member who bought 50 of those, thinking he could sell all 50 of those just to get the the silver. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure he's still sitting on (laughs) most of those copies.
3: Oh, my God. Yeah, all that just for that awesome silver.
0: That's what they make you do, though, sometimes. They make you buy a ton of copies just to get a variant.
3: I know. Gosh, you see it in the times like, when you go to games, like you trade in so many games that you of your old games, for store credit, just to go towards your new one. <laughs> oh. Uh,
0: Ninjak, of course, that's the one you and I were talking about. I think his costume is kind of silly, but he's pretty awesome. I, I actually really enjoy that comic. I enjoy more of the action ones instead of like the sci-fi and uh, the magical.
3: Yeah, no, Ninjak uh, definitely reminded me of, like, um again um storm shadow oh,
0: like shoot. storm shadow and snake eyes put together storm
3: shadow well yeah storm shadow it, it reminded me of storm shadow and james bond put together yeah pretty much that was a
0: pretty I know uh, it was
3: very fun He definitely had that suave he was kind of a ladies man but then again when it came to being a ninja oh no y'all shut the fuck up that's all you gotta do <laughs> he puts on that suit and busts out that sword y'all gonna fucking die all of you
0: uh, Rye and the, the Future Force. That one's okay. I didn't have any problems with it. Um, I There has to be some sort of connection between Rye and Bloodshot. They both have kind of the same logo. Mm. What was the other one's name? Deathmate, I think. Well, that was the miniseries that you were reading. Um, I know what you're talking about, though. Um, we had the superhero yeah. team, Secret Weapons, where a lot of them were put together. Uh, what is the one? The Deathmate? Is that the miniseries that you got really excited about?
3: Yeah, it's like all those Valiant characters were like, uh, and uh, it's basically uh, kind of like the setup of uh, DC's Injustice, uh where all these um, valiant heroes are like pretty much the tyrannical overlords due to this one fucking bad guy and it involves like you know the Wildcats, it involves you know Deadshot it involves um, yeah hardcore uh, exo Manowar, everybody and Turok and yeah everything just goes to shit at least for like a, a huge majority of the heroes it's pretty fucking nuts uh,
0: I need, I need that get was you. actually one of the... Yeah, you need to find the other pieces of that miniseries or I need to get them for you because you only got part of it.
3: Yeah, I know, and I'm already in love with it.
0: Fuck. <laughs> uh, Shadow Man is the one that you and I both agreed was amazing. Um, I, I like the kind of... I don't think this is explored very much. It's kind of like the New Orleans voodoo supernatural world. It's rarely ever touched, and I feel like there's a lot to tap there. And the comic really digs in. It's never boring. It's really exciting.
3: Oh, God, yes, it is. Um, this one in particular, where he's uh, he's talking to an old friend of his who's like an actor, and all these women are being killed off one by one until the actor's wife ends up dying too. But you know, as you kind of see, she is kind of a bit of a flirt and tries to sleep with Shadow Man, but he'll have none of it. And then in the in the end, uh, his best friend, who's like a Shakespearean actor, was the one behind it all, <laughs> Do, doing all that just to get revenge on his wife for adultery. Like, fuck, dude, you couldn't just talk it out. <laughs> Seriously? Like, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, you, you, you'd probably leave her and, like, throw her out because, you know, she cheated on you. But maybe down the road, reconcile and whatnot, if it ever came to that. But you don't have to go all Shakespearean and fucking kill somebody. What the fuck, man?
0: Um, we we actually skipped over Second Life of Dr. Mirage. I enjoyed it, but I think you liked it way more than I did.
3: Oh, yeah, no, Dr. Mirage in particular. Um, yeah, I I thought it was... um. It was pretty cool how it was. Uh, he is definitely one of the supernatural heroes, but uh, this one villain that pretty much duplicates and replicates him. Uh, it was one based off of uh, who's like science based, which is why he couldn't, you know, figure him out and stop him. So he just kind of had to, like, you know, mind fuck him and overload him. And all the all the meanwhile trying to avoid his mother so his mother doesn't find out that he's dead. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it, I, I still found it very entertaining.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it, it manages to say take like I always have a hard time attaching myself to things that I can't relate to, uh, like the god stuff. You know, I can't uh, get into Wonder Woman that well or Superman, Aquaman. You know, those kind of guys, the kings, queens, of, you know, that that epic universe. It's hard for me to connect to it. Whereas the street characters, it's yeah. really easy. The Doctor Mirage found a way to take something that seemed beyond my understanding and making it understand uh like uh leveling it down a little bit not dumbing it down but leveling it down like the way uh christopher nolan did with inception he took something that was insanely complicated but presented in a way that was easy to digest
3: yeah it was very grounded that's what that's what i liked about it that's what that's what uh, dr mirage was definitely doing i like writers and you know storytellers who could actually do that with uh something so ridiculously insane or just like with the fly uh, by um, Cronenberg, David Cronenberg yeah with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis like taking something as simple as uh, gene splicing and you know simplifying it and making a tragic love story and, and uh, you know kind of making you feel sad but at the same time disgusted because you know
0: how it was presented <laughs> uh, we also have Time Walker I don't recall reading that at all Solar Man of the Atom another gold key license this one's okay it's it taps into that like the Marvel universe when they would go into space so it, it feels a little oh, like okay. like a, like a, um, a silver surfer kind of cosmic you know Nova mixed with a little bit what feels like um, dr Strange because it, it kind of tapped into something beyond normal reality which I guess all comic books kind of do but this one uh, was another one that I got it but I didn't get it like I couldn't get into it too much like kind of skimmed it.
3: Oh, yeah, when you go on beyond the realm of, you know, man's reach, you have to really take it some really far. Plus, you know, a lot like just like with the Lost before the series finale, people were always like wanting more and more from the show because questions were not answered. Or like in Star Trek when they want to go beyond the final frontier.
0: I didn't know this. I'm looking at this right now. Before I get to the last of the Valiant comics, I didn't know that Valiant two years ago decided to do audio dramas based on their comic books. And they've done them of Archer and Armstrong. I wonder what else they've done. It just came out last year. And they're also getting ready for their, you know, the TV and movie adaptations. I think um, Shadow Man and Bloodshot are like the first two that they're going to do. And uh, Archer and Armstrong, I think, is ready to go. They'll probably get okay, Bruce yep. Willis and he'll do a terrible job.
3: Well, maybe if he was a savage dragon. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, it's time for him to move on from that. There was a time when they talked about Bruce Willis being Savage Dragon, but if it's going to be anybody, it's probably Dwayne Johnson. But even then, I, I think they're just going to do like CG on someone, you know? Um, yeah. Well, honestly, then again, they, they did. Johnson I mean, <laughs> two hundred million dollars for Guardians of the Galaxy two, and Michael Rooker was still wearing makeup. I mean, it, it works. It works.
3: Oh yeah, God no. I mean, honestly, the more practical, the better. Honestly, it'll It'll be like you know, less of a CGI budget. I mean, hell. Even see like some of the Disney animated movies like Zootopia and all that. Shoot, those cost like hundreds of millions. And yeah. then you look at something like Sausage Party that cost only twenty million.
0: You know what I'm gonna say is I couldn't finish Sausage Party, but I watched Zootopia like twelve times.
3: Oh yeah, no, I liked I liked Zootopia, and I ended up watching Secret Life of Pets as well. Yeah, but I, I Sausage Party.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
3: I mean, even Seth Rogan said at the production at the beginning of it when they were coming up with the idea of how fucked up it was gonna be. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, uh, That's all you can say to me. It's just so fucking weird.
0: (laughs) Our final comic of the Valiant Universe is going to be Exo Man of War, one that I was insanely disappointed. I don't know why in my head I built it up to be like, you know, 80s Iron Man level. You know, we're talking Bob Layton and uh, not Ron Mars. I can't remember who the writer was. Dave Michelin, I think, was writing it during uh, the pivotal period of Iron Man. I thought, oh, yeah, this is going to rock. And I watched it and was like, no, no, it doesn't, no.
3: Yeah, there was also Jorge Gonzalez. He was a writer as
0: well. Yeah, I was bummed out. What did you think of XO?
3: Again, yeah, no, definitely like an Iron Man type of persona, but, you know, instead of just like this, uh, you know, handsome, you know, average uh, average height, you know, well-fit, you know, snobby, snarty, uh, not snotty, but snarky businessman, you got this big old, you know, surfer beach bro instead. But I... Uh, Exo Manoir was definitely like a darker, you know, more savage version of uh, Iron Man, and he wasn't exactly as tech savvy. He re- t- he did run a company, but again, he was just like he was a bit of a controlling prick. So it was kind of it was kind of it is different to see a uh, type of character, a Biff type of character like Back from the Future, uh, to be sort of the main t- main character. But in order to like drive him further, he needed supporting characters. One of which was oh god. I think he, the one who had a, a prosthetic hand.
0: Forget his name. Yeah, I I can't remember. Yeah, no.
3: Uh oh God. okay. It, it'll be mine.
0: Uh, here's something weird. I'm looking at this now, and I didn't know this, that Magnus, Solar, and Turok, like I said, they were gold key. Then they were sold to Classic Media, which sold to DreamWorks Animation. DreamWorks Animation actually owns Turok, Magnus, and Solar. So, hey, Spielberg. Get these going, buddy.
3: I know. Hopefully with the success of uh, Ready Player One, he'll get those going.
0: Who knows, man. I've heard DreamWorks is in a little bit of trouble because not all their movies are connecting. They're costing a lot. They need to cut costs. And maybe licensing some properties can be a good idea for some companies. But like spending $150 million on Peabody and Sherman, which is a fine film, but it might be not that relevant to kids, maybe that was a bad idea. Maybe should have gone for maybe $50 million.
3: Yeah, no, it was definitely a great. It was definitely a wonderful.
0: It, it got great reviews for
3: sure. I liked it. Yeah. I really liked
0: it, actually. It did okay, but considering the cost, I think it was like one hundred and twenty, and when it only made, I think like ninety in America, and and you know about that overseas, that eats into a lot of production costs on your next movies. That's why when you see the next How You Train Your Dragon, it's going to be a lot lower budget. It's not going to be 140 It's probably going to be about seventy. Oh wow! Yeah, they're in trouble. They they fired a lot of their staff, and now they're going much lower scale. Trying to keep their head afloat. Any day now, they're probably going to green light Shrek the next, or Shrek the fifth, or something like that, just because they're desperate for a hit, but not realizing that kids yeah, are already gone from Shrek.
3: Yeah, you're kind of right there. I mean, honestly, the problem with Hollywood they focus too much on franchises than yeah. they would actual original stories. That's what—that's exactly how it seems right now.
0: Well, or, or older properties. I mean, Why is it that Bugs Bunny is still sitting in a limbo? You know, I don't understand. Why is it that the original Disney cartoon characters haven't been used properly? Uh, or why, or is it, yeah, like, yeah, why is it DreamWorks just sitting on so many of these characters they bought? They're just sitting there. I don't understand why people have these libraries. They just want to own it, but they don't use it.
3: Exactly. Uh, or, tra- yeah, traditional animation, as you mentioned from Disney. Or what the fuck's up with Masters of the Universe? When the fuck are we going to get that? God damn it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I we're, we're, in an age, maximum maximum. we're in an age now we could pull off Silverhawks. People want space movies. Silverhawks, come on. Thundercats, come on. You know, I want high fantasy uh to rise back up, not just because of J.R.R. Tolkien. I just want to see it, you know, I want to see a good, why has there not been a Conan the Barbarian TV series? Tell me that that wouldn't work on HBO or like Stars. you know, a couple million an episode where he's just fighting off some gory monster, you know, full R-rated Conan the Barbarian every week.
3: Yeah. Well, sadly, right now, what you've got, uh, as far as everyone's attention is, on HBO is Game of Thrones. Yeah. But it would work on Netflix or Hulu. Maybe. Oh, I mean, I mean, I know Dread TV shows in the work. I just Dread TV shows in the work. so why can't we go with something like that? Speaking Hopefully of... Hopefully somebody will pick it up.
0: You and I are supposed to do a Dread episode this season, and I need to hurry up and start reading those. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. That's going to be a lot of fun.
3: And we're definitely going to discuss the movies.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So let's go on to the final so far- part of our show, where we discuss Batman, A Lonely Place of Dying... Which is kind of my reintroduction to Batman. This came out right as the movie was coming out. And uh, I read... Well, technically I read The Many Deaths of Batman first, which was the the storyline before this, where some crazy killer was dressing people up as Batman and killing them. I don't remember anything else about it. I just remember that was the first thing that I ever read. And this came out right afterwards. Now, you've never read this before, correct?
3: No, not before. But after reading it, I definitely love it. And it also kind of... It kind of makes me um, see, uh, like, an element that they used for Ben Affleck's Batman.
0: What's that? Maybe I missed that.
3: Um, Basically, you know, how Batman, you know, after the death of Robin, he became more savage. He became more brutal. And also, eventually, evolving into Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight, who would kill, like, you know, either indirectly or just did not give a shit at all. Like, he'd gone off the deep end after the Jason, death of Jason. Yeah. And he, you know, and that's what this book definitely focuses on when it comes to Batman. Like, he became more brutal and went on a savage rampage after Jason Todd had been killed. And it was also the introduction to Tim Drake.
0: My favorite Robin, by a long shot. I mean, nobody, oh. nobody has... I mean, I know people who are crazy about Dick Grayson, but Dick Grayson is a better Nightwing than he was a Robin. I owe a lot oh, of definitely. my love for these comics due to Chuck Dixon. Who didn't write this storyline, but he did write the storylines. Excuse me, he did write the storylines for Robin and Nightwing when they first relaunched in the nineties, and uh, just just the pinnacle. And and also the artist uh, of this, Jim Aparo, is like my Batman artist. Some people it's like Jim Lee, some people it's uh, Neil Adams, but mine is Jim Aparo. He's just I love to watch his work, watch his work. Oh,
3: definitely, and the artwork was great. I'm not gonna lie about the artwork, it was great. And also, ooh, ooh, excuse me. Just seeing Tim Drake's actual development, you know, kind of being a mystery of him falling around Batman and then trying to find out where Dick Grayson is, and then, you know, finding out how he was, you know, being able to deduct and figure out who Batman and Robin really were, and then finding out about Jason. And he was only like 13. He didn't like pick up any skills, he, you know, his parents weren't dead, he wasn't orphaned. He was just a huge fan of the Flying Graysons from when he was a little kid, and then from then on, he just kind of figured it all out. He's a smart. He was smart. Yeah. This, and then you finally see him, like you know, can he, he? It also he also really showed the importance of Robin to Bat to Batman because Batman, ever since he brought in Robin, he was more grounded. You know, he wasn't as vicious or as savage.
0: Yeah. This uh... First, you know, t- after what this does though is show you that before the big epic mini series that kept going on and on and on after um night nightfall is that the one where they broke batman's back nightfall i think it is yes um after that it became like these huge mini series and and batman stopped doing the detective work he's i mean he's known for being the greatest detective in the DC universe mind you gated man uh Ralph dibney is great too um but Batman was always known as, the like, questions. the main detective. I mean, for Pete's sake, his comic book is called Detective Comics. But for some reason, in the 90s, they ditched the detective stuff. And all it was was just getting angrier and angrier and pummeling the shit out of people. If you read him in the 80s, he was smart. He was crafty. He only was violent if he needed to. And, in fact, sometimes he was funny. Um, in the Justice League comics, with Blue Beetle and Booster Gold and um, uh, oh, the shit, uh, Guy Gardner, um, he was funny. And I kind of miss that now because it's so morose. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, I do see a bit of that funniness, that, that humor coming back in the Justice League movie, for sure. I think they're going to, I think that's a. Um, I think that was John, Jeff Johns, Johns' idea. Yeah, it had a bit because, League, cause, you know.
0: What's-his-face has no sense of humor. What's, what's the guy? Uh, um, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder,
3: yeah. Zack Snyder, I mean, he definitely had too much creativity. He definitely went with more of a Dark Knight uh, Returns approach. Yeah. Along with uh, some of the elements from uh, Lonely, darn it, what's it called again? Lonely a lo- Place Lonely Place of Dying. I remember Lonely and Dying. It was <laughs> very sad. <laughs> but yeah, uh, along with some of the elements of uh, Batman's development in uh, Batman vs. Superman. But again, yeah, no, the humor really wasn't there that much. Um, except for some of the parts where, you know, Batman crash lands and all of a sudden Doomsday is right in front of him and then he just goes, oh shit.
0: <laughs> uh, there's an element but from the trailer, I almost wonder you you know the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck that everybody hates which I actually think Ben Affleck did an excellent job in I think it's Colin Farrell and the director's problem they screwed it up and make it too campy oh god yes but, especially Colin Farrell Jesus Christ yeah, there's a, a bit in this and I've noticed it in Batman comics before and I love the fact that they show the aftermath of Batman going into battle I mean he is done he is beat to crap he is sick he is unbelievably in pain. You see a little bit of that in the Daredevil movie when he's, like, taking a shower and his whole body is just layered with cuts. People who don't have super skin um, are going to get scars and wounds, and they hardly ever pay attention to that in the filmed versions of these heroes.
3: Oh, yeah, but not in a, well, I will say that. They definitely went with that detail in a Batman vs Superman, because when you see him, like, working out, doing all that, getting, you know, endurance training, you see all the scars of what he's been through. Yeah. Um... But anyway,
0: I have yeah no. In, uh, I have the version of this when it originally came out. I kid you not, the trade paperback of the storyline. I think there's six comics total. It it costs four dollars, four dollars. Now a trade paperback is going to cost you minimum nineteen dollars.
3: Wow, prices have jumped so high. Oh, Eesh. and the
0: smell of old comics. Actually, this one smells a little bit like gasoline. I should probably stop sniffing. I'm going to get high.
3: <laughs> oh my god, no! That you that think, just help you know, Oh, that vintage paper. You just want to lick it, rub it all over you, yes, yes. I want it inside me. Ew! <laughs>
0: now these pages feel like poop.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, sorry.
0: Hey, so have you ever anyway. read any of the Teen Titans before?
3: Um, I did read a couple of them. There was one series I was reading when um, uh, the original Titans were reuniting. You know, like Speedy, uh, Wally West, uh, Nightwing, and uh, oh, god, another one. But by it, Diana didn't show up in the first issue because, you know, she was grieving for the loss of her husband and kid.
0: Yeah. This is and, when, you know,
3: Dick was just, like, really torn up about it.
0: This is when the Teen Titans were huge. I mean, they were fucking huge. They were as big as the X-Men. They were, at a time, DC's number one selling comic. And it's hard for people to grasp now that they were that popular. But something that Marv Wolfman, who co-wrote this with George Perez... Something they latched onto. They, they took the core of the Teen Titans, um, updated them a little bit, but added some new heroes. Like, look, Cyborg is now going to be in the Justice League movie. Cyborg! I, mean, I know. Uh, actually he upgraded. From the beginning, though, I remember back in the 80s, they introduced him into the Justice League Superpowers cartoon. So he had to have been a big deal. Um, everybody else, not so much, but I think people, you know, some people are fans of Starfire. They're, they're, they're fans of Beast Boy, a.k.a. Changeling. Um, but I think, you know, Speedy has changed. Speedy is now Arsenal. Uh, Wally West became the Flash. Um, Nightwing's costume yeah, changed. Actually, because he originally was Robin um, in the early issues of New Teen Titans. Then he became Nightwing with this disco look with this huge collar. I'll never, ever understand ever the huge forgive. collar.
3: I will not forgive that character design. What the fuck with, with that shit? Did I mean, I guess he's going for like a birdie, like peacock kind of motif. I don't but what know. The fuck, man.
0: How can you see though? <laughs> that would get in your way, I would think. And, and frankly, you're trying to be like—I guess he wants to be seen at night because clearly he's a disco ball. He's shining bright.
3: Oh, I know. It's just—that's just, that's just <laughs> again all the more all the more reason for a peacock motif. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed the storyline yeah.
0: with Dick going back to the circus. I mean, that was crucial to his origin, but also Tim's origin.
3: Yeah, because when he was a little kid, when he witnessed what happened to Dick—the Flying Graysons—you know. And he also was like kind of terrified of Batman at the same time. That was his first time seeing seeing him.
0: Yeah, and this kind of introduces oh, his detective skills. I mean, the kid knows his stuff. What is he thirteen when this first started?
3: Yeah, he's thirteen years old, and he like deducted immediately that you know, you know the at, you know Bruce Wayne taking on his ward, you know Batman comforting uh, Dick Grayson at the death of his parents, and then you know six months later there's Robin, and so he put two and two together. Easily.
0: Yeah, I never liked Jason Todd. I thought he was a douchebag, a whiner, and uh, frankly, you know, killing him off. I, I, it was Sunday we are going to discuss that storyline, but I just can't believe that DC was just like, well, kids kind of hate this character. Should we kill him or not? Let's vote! <laughs> call this number if you want him to live, and call this number if you want him to die. And I was like, holy shit.
3: I know, and then they, they killed him. Holy shit. And that really did shake Batman up for the longest time.
0: Well, not this really, cause this was it. issue, I think, like 341, and Robin was killed, like, in 4, uh, I want to say 426 or 428. You're talking two True. years in comics time, but frankly, in comic book time, that's, like, four months.
3: True. Yeah, you're right about that. It only been, like, months, but still, Batman hadn't grieved properly. Yeah. Yet, now, that eventually, later, you know, everybody starts to like Jason Todd because he becomes Red Hood.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm not so sure about bringing him back. I guess nobody really is dead in DC Comics or Marvel. Um, But I kind of thought that he would be one of the characters they left for dead because it didn't really make sense how he was alive. And you're just like, oh, well, all right. While he's here, let's just deal with this.
3: (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, However, I mean, uh, most people, like, uh, everyone I've talked to is, like, a DC fan and just, like, loves Red Hood.
0: Well, I just picked up Arsenal and Red Hood. I guess they're on a team together. And uh, I'm oh, kind of cool. curious as how they play off each other.
3: Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, well, as far as it goes to, like, when interacting with Batman, Red Hood... No, Batman has problems with Red Hood because Red Hood's willing to kill.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. That's the one major difference between the two. You know, there was a time when there was a superhero called Azrael who became Batman for a while. He took on a suit and yes. was like, so jealous. That was and, in the
3: Nightfall series.
0: Yeah, and Azrael was always a weird character who got killed off, too. Have they brought him back? Do you know?
3: I don't think so. I've never seen him in any of the latest renditions. Azrael himself was like, I mean, he was brought back in the Arkham video games, which was yeah. kind of cool. Well,
0: I was look curious they were bringing him back. Um, here's one weird thing I noticed about Jim Aparo's art. Whenever you look at Batman face front, actually, even sometimes from the side, Jim Aparo draws Batman's nose and under his eyes completely black, which is unusual because not a lot of artists draw him that way.
3: Huh. Well, now that you mention it, yeah, no, I've never seen his nose from like the ground up. <laughs>
0: Uh, main villain here is Two Face, one of the damn finest villains uh, ever. And I, I'm, I'm actually kind of yeah. sick of the Joker. I don't know why everybody's so obsessed with the Joker. Uh, I don't really think he's okay, but he's not in my top five. Mm. I like the cerebral uh, villains. I like Two Face. I like Penguin. I like uh, Riddler. Riddler's one of my favorites because he knows how to mess with Batman mentally.
3: Exactly. He keeps his mind sharp. Raz Al Ghul. I don't think Bat Raz al-, al-, al Ghul is definitely. Like, the number one villain overall, if you were to pick amongst uh, Batman's villains, the deadliest one would be Ra's al Ghul, because if he's involved, it's a global threat. You know he's going to want to destroy the world and restart everything.
0: Yeah.
3: And he's going to, of course, use Joker and anybody else. Joker, however, well, especially in the movie The Dark Knight, he's become that complete sociopath. who's trying to prove, you know, like the objective of killing joke, trying to prove that everyone could go just as crazy as him on a bad day, but at the same time, show society that they are their own antagonist, you know?
0: Uh, i'm also looking at this jim Aparo draws nightwing with his collar that's so insanely large and he even looks over his shoulder at um tim uh yeah tim and there's no way he could see him the collar's so big he will not be able to see him but then you go to the next issue in this collection um and it's back to new team titans and you got george perez and tom grummett doing the penciling and then nightwing just has like a smaller collar and it makes much more sense it's kind of to protect like from getting hit in the back of the neck or with a knife or something like that you think the editor would have been like hold on a second these are two wildly different collars
3: Mm-hmm. At that point, I don't think they gave a shit.
0: They're <laughs> like,
3: "Fuck it, it's already printed. We can't do it. Screw it. It's still, it'll still be awesome anyway." Yeah, no, this definitely gave a bigger highlight on Two Face. Um, oh god, especially when, like when he's talking to the radio and he's like waiting for orders from it instead of like making the decisions that he usually used to do. Yeah. But at the same time, he's like saying, "No, no, no, I got to be able to trick Batman this time. You know, this and that. I can't make it too obvious." They're both mindfucking each other, but at the same time, they end up figuring each, each other out. But with the help of Tim, they end up figuring it out sooner. And without Tim, they definitely would have been dead, both Dick and Bruce.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this, you know, they get blown up and trapped in that house. And, uh, you know, Tim has to put on the... Well, he doesn't have to put on the Robin costume, but he says that Batman needs a Robin. He doesn't need Tim. He needs him to be Robin. And he goes in. And I still can't believe he takes on... In in the first two years of Robin, he took on the Joker and Two-Face. Now, to mind you, he almost got his ass handed to him by Two-Face. And uh, he had more experience when he took on the Joker. But, yeah, you know, trial by fire here.
3: Oh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, Tim Drake had to, I mean, especially being put in that situation where they get to the junkyard and then Two-Face is driving that big old tractor trying to crush him. And then using what little karate skills he did have against Two-Face. Oh, man. And it just kind of brings me back to Batman Forever, somewhat.
0: Yeah. I'm curious (laughs) as to why it is you, you see Alfred like this. Why is it they've never shown Alfred like this in live action? The comic books, the cartoons have him like this, but never in a live action movie. Is it because no actor wants to have a comb over?
3: <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't know. Oh, physically, yeah. But as far as like, uh, everything else, no, we've definitely kind of seen that with Michael Caine. And I hope to see that more with, um, Jeremy Irons. I mean, Jeremy Irons was like, honestly, the perfect, like, sniffy, wise-ass, uh, Kind of
0: Alfred. Yeah, but you never see him with the pencil mustache and the black greased-over hair. You never see it, and I just wonder if the actors are too insecure to really look like Alfred.
3: Oh no, uh, I don't know. Ray Fiennes wouldn't if he was picked as Alfred. Yeah, although well, he did play Ray Alfred in Lego Batman.
0: Anyway.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and he's got it he, again. He was uh, he was uh, Alfred in Lego Batman, so that's as close as we're gonna get. <laughs> All right. Anything
0: else you want yeah. to say, comp wise? Anything you're reading right now? Mm,
3: aside from the pile that you sent me, um, yeah, not much else. I'll say but this: so yeah, I'm i uh, to catch up on that. I pick I up. Do you want to read the Spider-Man ones? What's that? I do want to read the Spider-Man volumes that you got me.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I wanted to discuss the alien costume, but I need to find more of the story. Um, I've been I've been picking up some trade paperbacks here and there. Uh, there's a place called Hamilton Book where I pick them up for like, I kid you not, like two four dollars. And uh, I got to tell you, for the most part, I'm kind of bummed. I, uh, I read Hawk and Dove, and I didn't really care for it. Uh, I read The New Captain Atom. I thought it was dull. Uh, but I picked up some Justice Society, and those have always been good. So I'm hoping those turn out uh, pretty you know, entertaining. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh let you know the episode's coming up. We'll be doing Moon Knight's uh trying to do his relaunch where he's psychotic and he's in a mental institution we're doing that with avery you and i are going to be discussing some judge dread hopefully doing some gi joe episodes soon maybe some transformers uh, but that's about it for uh for what i got up in mind right now uh, you never know i just maybe go grab something randomly one day uh like i'm doing defenders right now uh hopefully i'm gonna able to do a defenders or an alpha flight episode soon oh that
3: would be pretty awesome
0: um have
3: we discussed we did discuss uh, Dark Knight Returns in Batman Year One, right? Uh,
0: not Year One. We did dar- uh, Dark Knight Returns the first season. Uh, year One? I That's wouldn't mind. Right. Year Zero? No, no. It's not Year Zero. It's uh, Earth One. Batman Earth One has been absolutely phenomenal. It's pretty much the only thing besides Green Arrow at uh, DC right now they're doing right. I can't believe how badly they okay. screwed up.
3: I don't know. I'll rebirth? I Again, Superman Volume One, I thought it was very well spot on and different. and Pretty awesome. Uh, especially with the way bringing in the Eradicator.
0: The Eradicator! Which is a Kids in the Hall reference, mm-hmm. but also a Batman reference. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right. Um. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, do plan on reading some... I definitely do plan on uh, rereading Year One again. I do have it. Um, and also, uh, some of these Spider-Man ones, and probably like to brush up on Judge Dredd as well. Even the one based off the uh, film.
0: No. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Why not? I don't know. I just like saying stuff like that. Dramatic! I'm an actor.
3: God damn it, man! I will do what must be done!
0: (laughs) Alright, everybody. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. You'll find all our episodes there and our other shows. Um, Jacob, send us out.
3: Alright. Now, staying good luck with my friends. Be excellent to each other. Blast off, Michael!
1: (laughs)
0: Jacob is out. Uh, there is a massive fire in Napa, and everything's cut off. His world is fire, and it's not even a joke. It's, it's insane. So no show this week with him. Probably not next week either. So I thought it was a perfect time to bring back the Saturday morning, the perfect Saturday morning. Did you hear that the little hand fart there? I accidentally hand farted. Um, <laughs> the perfect Saturday morning playlist, which we did a bunch of last year. We've only done one episode this year. So I figured, you know what, let me go find somebody that uh, is an animation, comic book fan, that kind of world. They can usually come up with their best of list. And um, if you listen to Trash Cinema, Cameron Cooper uh, was a guest earlier this summer with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Gag. Um, I'm still not happy with you about that, Cameron. Gag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, so, basically, what we're going to do is give a rundown of your perfect Saturday morning playlist. Uh, it can be in a 1 to 10, however format you want. Some people do it like they actually scheduled the programs if they ran their own network. So, some people start off at 6. Those kids are crazy. It's Saturday. Sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll,
2: start, I'll start at 7. All right. Oh, we're still an early in early.
0: Now, let, let me ask you this. Before we get into the playlist... Were you a cereal? Like, were you a sweets person or were you a savory person, like with the bacon and, and eggs? No, I was a cereal guy. I was a cereal guy.
2: I, I didn't you. get into the savory stuff until I became an adult.
0: Did you ever know a kid? He was like eight, and he'd be like, Yeah, I had coffee with eggs and bacon this morning. What are you, Damien? There's something wrong with you, man.
2: It's like, what What demonistic kid come up with trying to, try to drink coffee on Saturday morning?
0: You ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's one of those, like, I got 6 to 12 to fill, I gotta stay awake, I'm gonna do this, and like, alright, go ahead and have your coffee, I'm okay if you, you know, you're only 4 foot 11 by the time you hit your teenage years, I'm good with that.
2: (laughs) Hey, I was 4 foot 11 in my teenage
0: years. (laughs) Oh shit, I think actually most of us were, now that I think about it, freshman year of high school I was 5 foot and about 90 pounds, and then I shot up the next year, so that joke doesn't work, I did poor research. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean, I was I didn't grow until,
0: until around tenth grade, and that was like
2: two inches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you are a stand-up comedian, and uh, this will be airing at the end of the week. So, do you have any shows coming up? Do you want to promote?
2: Uh, we're bringing back Wednesday nights here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. O'Reilly's Bar in uh, downtown Indiana. We're bringing back Wednesday nights. I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but that's the next show I got coming up. And, uh, check me out at Morty's Comedy Joint, uh, the next Wednesday, um, October, uh, I forget what the day was, but, like, check me out at Morty's Comedy Joint next Wednesday.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: Me and, my, me and my buddy Cool Cat, shout out to him, so.
0: What I've discovered about Fort Wayne is, since I've left, the comedy scene has definitely built, like, big time. It used to be just Snickers Comedy Club, and that was it. And, uh, I've heard that's actually gone. yeah, now.
2: yeah. It is, it is. They they uh, sold it because they couldn't maintain it, and everybody knew the owner was a douchebag. Oh. I shouldn't say that because I don't have a beef with them. But like, <laughs> but like, they sold it, so now they got Fort Wayne Comedy Club opening up. Shout out to that. Shout out to Mike Moses for giving us a platform to perform at Fort Wayne Comedy Club on Calhoun Street. Every Saturday night they have two shows open. I usually go to the second show. And I do amateur the amateur slots. So that, that'd be the next thing. Now, I'll be yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, 4 comedy club shout out to that.
0: All right. Well, now let's get into the meat. What will you start your morning off with? Yes. Do you, do you? Do you, are we one of those kids that was like kind of like, kind of like brain askew? You're like, I'm just barely awake. I need something to kind of wake my brain up. Not too complicated. Something like comfort food. Or were you to like, let's go right into the most complicated cartoon first? Well, see, like,
2: we'd have cable, really. So it was like, you know, ABC. You know, they would play the cartoons from, say, like, 8, 7, 8 and more until about, like, noon. And then they play the NBA trivia shit. And I'm like, get the fuck <laughs> out of here with that shit. I want to watch cartoons. So, <laughs> so uh, I guess, uh, to start off number one, start number one, that's not necessarily any ranking to start off number one. Recess.
0: Okay, Disney's cartoons. Now, um, I'm curious, when was your prime years of watching cartoons?
2: Oh, say around, say, 92, say about, uh, what was my last year in high school? 2007. Yeah, 2007. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, mine was mostly 80s and early 90s. And then eventually it turned into like stuff on adult school and stuff like that. So I missed Recess. I was, I believe I was in college by the time that aired. So I don't know anything about it. So if there are any listeners out there who have never heard about it, what is a, like a description of what Recess is?
2: Well, Recess is like these group of kids. There's like six of them. And basically the whole cartoon is about them going to Recess and they get into these little harebrained schemes. There's a kid named Ralph. He had a backwards red hat. Because in the 90s, if you had a actress hat, you were considered cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then, it was basically a show about stereotypes. Because they had the one black kid named Mike. And they had the fat kid. And they had uh, the girl who was the tomboyish girl. Tomboyish girl named Spinelli. And they had one episode where they tried to make her, like, dainty. Make her girl-like. And it was, like, the craziest episode. Huh. So, But that was one of those cartoons that came on all the time, man. Every Saturday. So that was that was a good one. That was one for me. That's that was like that's the first one that I, that brought into my head when you when we talked about this uh, particular subject. So, Recess, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, have you watched it recently? Does it hold up?
2: Uh, I watched it recently. Well, they had a movie uh, a couple years ago. I forgot about it. But They had a movie a couple years ago, which yeah. very terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna make a movie about Recess, <laughs> but uh, oh, it's it's still pretty good. They they had a Christmas episode where like the fat kid, Mikey still believes in santa claus and like he plays like santa claus for his little kids theres some bully tells him there's no santa claus and then, then the whole hook was like he doesn't want to be santa claus to so little little kids for charity then eventually they get around to oh yeah he sort of believes again and santa claus makes him believe that he does santa claus for little kids so it, that, that's one of those episodes that's interesting to watch every christmas so yeah it, it still holds up sort of well you can tell it's 90s because there's that
0: one kid with the backwards hat. <laughs> then limp ruined it for everybody. Knows. Nobody can wear a hat on backwards. <laughs> what what follows up uh,
2: recess? Oh, number two would be the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Yeah, the that, one from the '80s.
0: I remember watching the miniseries that aired in syndication and thinking, like, what the hell did I just watch? I don't, I don't know, but that was kind of awesome. And then a year later, the movie comes out, and it becomes this huge phenomenon, but I remember wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt in school, and everybody making fun of me, and then, like, six weeks later, when the movie came out, they're like, oh, that's the greatest sweatshirt ever, I was like, damn right!
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, man, I remember, uh, you remember how I used to record stuff off the VHS from the TV?
0: I did with the cassette I like a cassette whole... tape. I used to use a cassette tape and tape. I don't know why. It just, it's nuts why I would even want the audio, but I would listen to the audio of cartoons.
2: Yeah. I remember we had like six hours of just the Ninja Turtles cartoon, man. It was like in its like fourth or fifth season. And like they had the one episode where like they go down the sewer and like there's this one little reclusive artist and like he's tearing shit up in the sewers. The turtles like figure out how to fix his face and stuff like that. It was such a it was such a weird episode because like there's no shredder, there's no praying, nothing. It was just <laughs> it was that was such a crazy episode because it was like teaching you need to like you for you type shit. So, <laughs> hmm.
0: Did, was there a turning point in the series where it was no longer as good? Uh, you could feel like oh this is all about merchandising now, like the way it was with GI Joe.
2: Well, it got to it got to be like well it was merchandising from the beginning because like you do research and you figure out. Like, they initially did that cartoon, the miniseries. They did the miniseries to sell toys. Because when they got to the comic book, they were like, this is a good toy property. But like, no, let's do a cartoon first. So the whole thing is a like merchandising. Hmm. But I feel like, um, you know, when they got to say, like, the Red Sky episodes, I didn't get into it as much. And I remember that, too. So they had Toka and Rezar in a second movie. Oh, no. Was like,
0: really? They added them to the series? That's weird. I don't like those characters.
2: <laughs> it was like... This got kind of weird, because it, it didn't feel like the same. Even though I loved the movie for how dark it was.
0: That's the strange thing about it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think I, I stopped watching around season 3 or 4, and I I don't know if it was subconscious, but when I started seeing stuff like biker mice from Mars, and um, radioactive hampt- hamsters, I think it was adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters, all these parodies and rip-offs of the Ninja Turtles, I, just, I think I lost my... Focus on the show, but I remember for many seasons there that it was fantastic.
2: Street Sharks and Street Battletoads.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, Battletoads is the worst cartoon pilot I've ever seen in my life. Have you seen this?
2: Yeah. Uh, okay, this is that's the Super Mario Brothers cartoon. How bad? How bad is this? I had the Battletoads VHS and I put the VHS in. It wasn't Battletoads. It was the Super Mario Brothers <laughs> cartoon they used to come
0: on.
2: That's <laughs> like. That's how bad. That
0: was. <laughs> All right, what comes after uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles?
2: Okay, so um, I'm younger than you, so you, I don't know if you know this one. Uh, the Spy- the 1994 Spider Spider Man
0: uh, cartoon. Oh, definitely! I watched it from the very beginning. That's one of the first series to really deep dive into the mythology, and um, it still stands up today. Not as much. I don't think the X Men series holds up as well, but that Spider Man series is phenomenal.
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, it's like, and it took stuff from the actual comic books, too. Because, like, if you go back and you watch some of the other stuff, like the 60s one, and spider mans amazing friends, it's like, oh, it's a cartoon, so they just jumble around stories. But then, but then you get to the 94 one, it's like, okay, they actually took the Venom story from the comics, and they actually made it, you know, they actually made it right. They actually did it right. Better than Spider-Man 3.
0: <laughs> huh. I, I Have you seen the editor's cut of Spider-Man 3 yet? No, I haven't. No, they, they just put it out. You can only get it in the digital version, which is a bummer. Um, but the editing and soundtrack is completely different, and it plays scenes differently. You still have to suffer through some stuff, like the disco version of Peter, but there's a lot of stuff that's tonally different, and it's tightly edited. I actually enjoyed it a lot more this time.
2: Okay, okay. What's well, still have a soft spot for that, because I said the SATs right before that. And I got a low score because I wanted to do it with Spider-Man three, and I take my
0: sixties. <laughs> uh, blame it on the movies. That's always a good one. Um, I was, I just can't. I couldn't bring myself to study. Did you see what's at the multiplex? Come on. <laughs> and Spider-Man did well, the... like you know that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that. Uh, yeah. The Spider-Man series also did the arcs, which weren't very common in animated series. It's usually a one and done. At best, you had a double feature. And you would have stuff start in one episode and slowly pay its way off through the entire season.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, they had, like, the, you know, in, in the beginning of the episode, they would have, like, the the kind of, like, uh, category title card, the Sins of the Father. And then it would go to the actual title of the episode. So that was... And they, they would do, like, you know, say, three to, say, like, six episodes just just that. And it was, it was cool. It was cool. Like, they had, um, you know... Um, they had, like, the Carnage episode, and then they would have, like, stuff like, you know, the Spider-Man mutation, where he mutated into the big giant spider monster and stuff, and I always liked that episode for some reason. It was a, yeah, it was a it was an awesome, awesome-ass show, man. And, like, that's one of my favorite Spider-Man, Spider-Man things. That's what got me into Spider-Man in the first place.
0: Yeah, and this is when the comic was actually pretty terrible. This is when Spider-Man was apparently dead, yeah. and Ben Riley had taken over, and... You know they were more focused on uh, Carnage. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Carnage. I do love Venom, but Carnage I always thought was kind of mediocre. But it was. Uh, yeah. every, well, that, every was ha- a, that was the last episode. Every um, issue was- seemed to be some sort of special. Oh, it's foil. It's die cut. It's uh, as the laser beam somehow blasted into it. You're like, why? That's not even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the last episode, though. And, uh,
2: Spider-Man saved the whole universe, and they had different Spider-Man, um, Spider-Men there. And then Ben Riley was one of the Spider-Man people. And that Spider-Carnage... that Peter Parker turned to Spider-Carnage. And then the other Peter Parker had to save all Spider-Man reality. It's really crazy. It's a really crazy episode. But it's like one of the craziest finales. But they still didn't find Mary Jane at the end. But that, that's a
0: different story. If I remember correctly, does this series go into another one? Like, that Spider-Man series didn't end um, there. Like, he went to an alternate universe or something like a future Spider? Spider-Man Unlimited yeah I remember it being terrible <laughs> is that it Spider-Man Unlimited it, it is terrible yeah I just I just remember being yeah. I was like what the hell is this shit and they, they put it with uh, Captain America and the Avengers which was a god awful series uh, Marvel was kind of lost in the 90s people you, you have no idea the powerhouse they are right now they were bankrupt in the in 1996 they had like uh, they were able to put out like five issues oh, yeah. a month that was it they were just struggling yeah
2: man yeah, Spider-Man Unlimited was it was terrible I remember it came out at the same time as Batman Beyond and I thought, Oh, they biting off. oh oh Spider Man Unlimited's biting off of this But then you watch episodes like oh it's not. It's actually worse than that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I really actually like Batman Beyond, but I know some people are kinda of like, eh, it's not really in the mythos, so it's they don't really care for it. But yeah, that's Spider Man Unlimited, man, that was just rubbish. I like the M T V animated series where they took the three D animation and compressed it into two D, which is kinda of dated now, but at the time oh, it was really? kinda of groundbreaking. The stories are good too.
2: Oh yeah, I watched that uh recently too. It was a uh, it was it was okay. Yeah. I remember they had Silver Silver Sable in uh, one episode. I can't remember what the episode was about. But yeah, it was I, I remember that. I remember that came out around the time the first Sam Raimi movie came out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, yeah I'm pretty sure yeah, it, was that it was summer. It was pretty dope.
0: Um I don't want to make this a Spider-Man episode, but definitely check out that series. Uh I don't think there's ever been like besides the Spider-Man and Unlimited, a series that completely ignored canon, but Spider-Man and Amazing Friends was frustrating because it rarely tapped into the characters that you knew from the series. It did. It did. What All right, follow-up? let's go into
2: what's this number yeah. two. What's next? Number three. Number three, Okay,
0: we have recess. I would say the we'll, X Men. Yeah, we did Recess, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Spider Man. Okay, so it's number four. Four.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would say X Men. X Men. The the one that came with the Spider Man cartoon. X Men. Yeah. So because that was the one that's like um they had characters from like. Just the comics that, you know, see, like, you watch the movies and you, like, they give a limited, limited, limited view of each character. But, like, as far, the X-Men uh, cartoon, they had, like, Jubilee in there, they had Jean Grey in there, they had, um, uh, Rogue in there, and she was a lot better in the cartoon than in the movie. In the movie, she was this brooding teenager, like, oh my gosh, nobody loves me, I can't touch anybody, <laughs> but in, a, oh, in the cartoon, she did not give a fuck. She's like, I'm going to fuck you tonight, dude.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever read the very first appearance of Rogue when she took on the Avengers and beat the shit out of all of them? No, that's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, Avengers Annual 10. Uh, It's very hard to find, but they put it in a collected edition. But Rogue uh, takes the powers of Captain Marvel, and she whoops Thor and takes his powers, and uh, she teams up with the Brotherhood of uh, Evil Mutants, and they take out um, Iron Man and... um, so it's basically Captain America, no, Captain America, Hawkeye, Beast, and I want to say Scarlet Witch against the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Man, they just take a whooping.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's correct. I had to read that sometime.
0: Yeah. And like,
2: Matt, Magneto in that cartoon, he wasn't, like, he was not a bitch. He was straight up, you know, <laughs> hey, you don't want to accept us as mutants? I'm going to bring all these Sentinels in here, and it's going to be on. Fuck it.
0: <laughs> I know that there was a pilot for X-Men during the 80s. Whether it was called Firestar is Born. Um, it didn't take off. Oh, and yeah. also of in the 90s, X-Men, like, just supernova popularity. And the series that we're talking about is, like, 1991 to 94 or 5, and it's that chunk. So a lot of the classic heroes that you know are not in it. There's no there's no, uh, X-Caliber or X-Factor at that time in animation. No, no. This is just that core group that was really popular around the early 90s. Lots of pockets, lots of little bunchy clothes. I don't know. They're so unfashionable.
2: Yeah, well, like Wolverine got the the yellow <laughs> the yellow jumpsuit thing.
0: <laughs> See, I love that brown suit. That brown suit he had during the eighties was badass. Yellow. It was the brown suit was. What is it that X Men the yellow? I never understood that. You know, it uh, it's not exactly the most. It looks good on a comic book page, but man, not on not on animation or film. No,
2: uh, it's a more flattering color, I guess, more brighter color to make kids watch it. That, I think that's I think that's what they were trying to do. So you yeah. know. Make it more brighter so kids will watch it. So yeah,
0: who are your favorite of the X Men? See,
2: I was see like everybody says Wolverine. I was a Gambit fan myself.
0: So you're probably eager. They just announced yesterday they're finally going for production. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm excited for it, man. I mean, yeah, I'm excited for it. I've been saying they should do a Gambit movie, man, because this whole story, this whole story is crazy if you read in the comics, man.
0: Oh yeah, being you, know, you started of off as like, or was he part of the Morlocks?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's part of the Roarlocks. Hey, you know he killed. And, you know, he, and you know he like killed several people and stuff like that. Hey, you know it's it's just a crazy story, man.
0: Yeah, mine's always been Iceman. I've been a huge fan. A dude can freeze the the moisture in your brain and kill you instantly if you wanted to.
2: Yeah. Oh, they had him in uh, Spider-Man: and Amazing Friends. Um, yeah, it was Iceman and um, Firestar.
0: Yeah. What um What would you say would come after an X? Uh, I'm sorry, after X Men.
2: Okay, it's number five uh batman the anime series
0: i'm starting to notice the theme here you were a big comic book
2: guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but recess was the only one that's not like okay (laughs) i think this this is the last comic book one that i have but like that was that's just that's just the classic superhero uh comic book thing man it's like batman anime series It feel like adults can watch it and it's like it doesn't feel like a kid thing
0: No, the stories are mature. What I also like about the Batman series is that it continued, in a way, for a decade. I mean, that story flows right into Superman, uh, into Batman and Robin, Batman Beyond, into Justice League. Justice League uh, uh, was unlimited? Justice League Unlimited? That's a long time for a cartoon series to have such a heavy influence.
2: Oh, yeah. It's just like... And just what they do with each story, like the Two-Face story, that's my favorite episode, the Two-Face two-parter best villain story just ever it's just like man harvey starts is a stand-up guy and then like but he has that, that 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 trigger that split personality everybody's got and then it comes out metaphor it comes out literally when he becomes 2 Face, and it's just man it's, it's such a deep story it, it it messes with you psychologically so
0: yeah it's um I'm a huge fan of the two movies that they did. At least I remember there being two: The Mask of the Phantasm, which got dumped in theaters, and Sub Zero yes. went straight to video. But Sub Zero came out the same time as Batman and Robin the movie, and it makes uh, that Mister Freeze look amazing. <laughs> while that piece of shit movie made him a constant joke. There is a lot of like gravitas and devastation to Mister Freeze.
2: Yeah, it's like Mister Freeze is actually a big threat. If you, like, read them in the comics, if you watch them on uh, the anime series, like, even in, like, say, I had this comic book, uh, Gotham Central, there's, like, this scene where he's, like, hooked up in this, like, random apartment building in the hood, and then he's, like, the cops come in, they don't know what the threat is, then all of a sudden he starts freezing the cops, and it's like, like, what, Mr. Freeze, what are you doing here? He's like, yeah, I'm coming to take this whole neighborhood over. It's like, it's so crazy, man, it's like, Mr. Freeze is a bad ass. And,
0: and there's stuff in that series that you're never going to see in a live-action movie. There's no way the ventriloquist will ever be taken seriously in a live-action film. In Man-Bat, one of the greatest villains, like, visually, no. you're never going to see it on film. But uh, that was the first episode, wasn't it? The,
2: the Man-Bat episode.
0: Uh, You know, I can't remember. No. That's weird. I just watched the whole thing yeah. not that long ago, and I can't remember what the first episode is, but I'm going to go ahead and say yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, it was like I remember, like, um watching it and, like, the, the, the doctor explained, like, the whole serum and elixir and all that to Batman. He's like, it's in me,
0: Batman. Oh, <laughs> and the two yeah. boys start laughing. You're right, I remember what that now. What um,
2: Yeah, that is one of those He's series
0: like, that the definitely holds up. It is absolutely, like, top-notch. And Warner Brothers put some serious cash into making this, which is good because... A lot of these superhero movies, you feel like they weren't done properly. Like, you can tell they're done like, oh, a lot of this is overseas, and they don't get our sense of humor, and the animation just isn't up to snuff.
2: Yeah, true that, true. Um, okay, so uh, this would be number six we're going into?
0: Yep, number six. Number six. Okay,
2: so uh, i got to put some Nickelodeon into it. I would say, Hey Arnold would be the
0: next one. Another one I've never seen, but that is actually the third time that has made one of our lists. I should probably watch it.
2: Yeah, it's uh, so about the football of kids. There's a lot of uh, kind of stuff you find out as an adult. As a kid, you didn't pay attention to. Like the girl, the, what, the main girl's Helga. Her mother was an alcoholic. Huh. It's like you watch you them, watch but there's like, you just think, oh, she's probably tired all the time. She drinks a lot of smoothies. It's <laughs> like, uh, what smoke do you know has Tabasco?
0: <laughs> she was drinking bloody Marys, that's what it was. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of weight. What was that Nickelodeon you said? Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty heavy for Nickelodeon.
2: And uh father was abuse of his father. He's like he's the like well, he's
0: probably yelled a lot.
2: Like, Marry him! Get my damn belt woman! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, and is this one you've seen recently and it still holds up? Yeah, yeah. I got the whole series on, uh, on DVD.
2: Still holds up. Still holds up very well.
0: Damn! I, uh, I was that. sick
2: home from work and you know, I watched the whole thing. It still holds up, man. Still still great to watch. All right. What
0: is after Hey Arnold?
2: Okay, this me be number seven. Okay. Um, I would say
0: Animaniacs. Oh, my God. What a wonderful cartoons. I watched this recently and it's still like... I can't... It, it would play today. And a lot of it has to do with this—the genius of how it's put together. You know, it, it, the music. You know, it, it teaches you something. The comedy jokes still work. It's kind of a love letter to the old cartoon, but also old TV shows and movies. And yet, somehow, contemporary for children of the nineties.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely. It's a timeless, timeless cartoon. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sexual humor that <laughs> I didn't notice as a kid, but. <laughs>
0: Especially in that. What's that one lady? As an adult. There's an old wise ass squirrel or something like that. She has a little kid with her, and there's stuff that she says. You're like, "Whoa, did I just get past the sensor? Really? Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
2: There's, there's like there was like one um, where she's, there, she's walking the walking the squirrel, like, "Hey, I'm put your tail up in the air like that."
0: <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> the only one that I did not like about Animaniacs was the Good Feathers parody, which they did way too often.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, like, that was at the time where, like, Goodfellas was a, was the big thing. And, like, they tried to milk that as much as possible, so...
0: Yeah, definitely. I think they should bring that back. We're all in this big 90s nostalgia kick right now, and I think that they could easily bring that back. I think most of the cast is still around, and um, uh, an idea that's not about a, a particular time. You could just do that any, any era.
2: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. All right, and- all right so this should be... Number eight. Number eight. Right. Um. Okay. I was just talking to Zach about this. So I will go with Doug. What was it? Nickelodeon. Not Disney. Doug.
0: Doug. Okay. Okay. Oh, so you want to go with the original Doug that was on uh, Nick at Night? Yeah, the one on Nickelodeon, not not Disney Doug. <laughs> What's the difference? Because I never watched the Disney version. Well, Disney version, it was
2: like um. Roger the bully, Roger the bully, and Nickelodeon. He was trailer trash and whatnot. And then Nickelodeon series. His parents won the lottery, or something crazy, and they become rich. So because like, Disney's like, he don't want to make trailer trash seem seem bullyish and not like, mean. So like, let's make rich kids seem mean. Like what the fuck. <laughs>
0: So they Disneyfied it because they knew that a lot of people were still watching network cartoons when those existed, kids. Uh, it's it's mind-boggling that animation doesn't exist on Saturday morning for kids anymore. It's like what? Um, but Disney would water down a lot of stuff to make it safe for the general audience.
2: Yeah, really. Like like Nickelodeon that was great because it was like it felt like it felt like you were growing up and watching it and going through the same stuff that Doug was going through at the time. It's like you have a crush like Patty Mayonnaise. Even she was ratchet.
0: What a terrible last <laughs> name.
2: And it's like, <laughs> mayonnaise! Ah. Because she didn't get no flavor.
0: <laughs> she was bland.
2: She was bland. <laughs> it was like, you know, you have a crush on that girl. And you're trying to impress her by eating liver and onions or something like that. Or playing baseball where you don't know how to sport and nothing like that. Or like, you have the, um oh, what was it? The episode, the nematodes episode, where you're trying to like impress the guys in your neighborhood,
0: so you try to catch Nematose. I don't even know what the fuck Nematose is. But... <laughs> I have no idea either. What I like about the Nickelodeon yeah, cartoons be... during that era is that they had um, a very unique look. Prior to that, all the network stuff had the same exact cheap carbon copy. Uh, look to it, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden like DuckTales came out and revitalized the animation. Then Nickelodeon came in with Ren and Stimpy and uh, uh, Angry Beavers and Doug and stuff like that with a very unique look to them. And Doug still holds up to this day because it's a signature style.
2: Yeah, most definitely. It's like it's kind of round-ish style. All the characters were different colors and yeah, it was it's that kind of style like it still looked to be here at the same time
0: what is number nine
2: number nine
0: we don't have to go ten i don't know what your uh, schedule is. some people have like 30 on their list they have to park down Some people are like i only have like six i'm cool with that
2: <laughs> no uh, we was talking about it too and like some some cartoons are like kind of honorable mention i'll mention those too like somewhere honorable mentions like goof Troop. but like that's that was more like disney afternoon 'Cause like you come home from school and you watch that. That was the Disney afternoon, like DuckTales and Tailspin and like Goof Troop, those all Disney afternoon type stuff. So Saturday mornings like they, they would come on Saturday mornings but like that's more of the Disney afternoon stuff when you come home from school and watch it. But there's certain cartoons that like you associate with Saturday mornings.
0: You know what? I'm a monster. I forgot to tell you that it didn't matter. What it was, it was supposed to be any era, any time that it aired, that any kind of animation whatsoever. I feel like I've done something horrible. But then again, this could be a list of thirty. <laughs> so I don't know if I did a good or bad thing. No, it's cool.
2: It's cool. I would say number nine. Number nine would be Batman Beyond.
0: Yeah, this is a series that um, surprised me. I had heard about it and looked cool. A lot of times, stuff that looks cool is going to have very little substance. But thankfully, they kept the same family vibe uh, that they had with uh, Batman and Robin, the, the Adventures of Batman and Robin. And they kept it going, and it took it into different places that was restricted by the comics. It gave you stuff you could never see before.
2: No. Well, like, hey, Batman Beyond, it was, it was great because of... Um... Just the whole they—it's like they kept some villains from the anime series, but they didn't like just make a. Oh, we're just gonna make recreate all the villains. They created new villains for this new Batman for Terry McGinnis, like Blights and you know the Blight and just all the Joker's gang and just all that type of stuff. They just do the they just do rehashes of the old villains. Now they did Mister Freeze right because like, Mister Freeze could be sort of immortal, you know, if you do it right. So. They did Mr. Freeze
0: right in there. There was a weird trend during this time period where they took all these old heroes <laughs> and put them in the future. Like, there's Sherlock Holmes in the 23rd century. There's Phantom 2040 and stuff like that. And most of those were good ideas, not so Holmes. much good cartoons. That. What's that? I
2: remember the Sherlock Holmes one. Yeah, not very good. I remember, I
0: remember. <laughs>
2: Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. Sherlock Holmes. Uh,
0: that was the whole theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're going to stop the episode. We're just going to sing the theme songs. <laughs>
1: Woohoo! hoo
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah, Batman Beyond, definitely a, a, an excellent cartoon. And what are we going to finish our list off with?
2: All right, number 10. Number 10, let's put a, a Disney one in there. It would be DuckTales.
0: Damn, damn. Such a good cartoon. Uh, I, I heard they brought it back. I haven't seen it yet. Have you?
2: Uh, I've I seen, like one part of it, well, I had to turn it off. I had to go to work. Um, from the looks of it, it's a different animation. But um, it looks pretty good. I have to watch it again. But DuckTales is really good. Oh, you know what? You know what? For me, it's a tie. It's a tie. It's between DuckTales and Powerpuff Girls.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, Powerpuff Girls is... Um, I think I no, I love the look of Powerpuff Girls. It um, Was it Jendi Tartovsky that created that? Uh, Craig uh, McCracken. Craig Crack. McCracken. I get to too confused, but both have very unique styles that look modern, but also with, like, kind of a 50s retro vibe, and uh, Power yeah. Up Girls is an excellent cartoon. I think DuckTales is a little bit better, um, but mostly because I have a fascination with the fact that he can jump into that money and not shatter every bone in his body, because anybody else would have their elbows up their nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a... It's a a cartoon duck that can <laughs> that is a superhero
1: you can you imagine <laughs> like...
0: the first episode oh god the blood and then the, the nephews now have inherited god. all the money and now they're in charge <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Like you do doing Louie they were always they are always like the funniest like characters to me it's just like they just they just get into trouble and like but they know how to get out of it because they're cute it's just weird
0: my favorite was Launchpad uh, he abuses me to no end Oh, yeah, most definitely. Big, boisterous, kind of stupid guys, like the Tick, um, I think, are my favorite kind of characters. Oh, yeah.
2: They're, they're making a tick, uh, did they make a Tick uh, cartoon? Oh, no, no, show on Netflix?
0: Yeah, well, it's on Amazon. I don't like it. It's nothing okay. like the live-action series the animated series. It's kind of creepy and disturbing, and the Tick is clearly a mental patient. <laughs> well, that was the whole hook,
2: though. He was, like, he was a superhero that really technically wasn't, but, like he still kind of is at the same time. Yeah,
0: it's, I don't know. I'll give it another shot, but that first episode, I was not. I was like, eh, I don't get this. This is like Zack Snyder's version of The Tick.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, what was it, uh, uh, The Max, The Max.
0: Yeah, closer to that, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what were your honorable mentions for the show?
2: Okay, so, honorable mentions would be Goo Troop, most particularly because of the theme song. <laughs> um... The 2003 Ninja Turtles cartoon, because it was like it was one of those like, but I put I put the list like, do I do the classic one or do I do the 2003 one? Because 2003 one was great because it took stuff from the comic books and like put it into the to the cartoon, but it still had the original cartoon in it.
0: Yeah, I don't think they've ever made a bad Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Now the movies, that's a different discussion. But uh, yeah, the cartoons have always been good. Well,
2: they had a bad live-action
0: series. Oh no, that was <laughs> god awful. The next mutation—what the hell was that shit? That was disturbing.
2: <laughs> I, I watched that recently too because I forgot about it, and I watched, they came on recently on, on demand. Ugh. It was like it got to a point where, it was like, what turtle was talking? You couldn't tell what they were saying because the, the animatronics were so
0: horrible. The, was it wasn't the jittery head from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three where it just go ga 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 It was
2: like that. It was like that. Ugh, so. It's like, so fast. Okay, right, another honorable mention would be uh, Johnny Bravo. Oh, who, who? Oh, mama, <laughs> baby, sure, sir, man, I'm pretty. <laughs> like he would sexually harass these women, and they would beat the shit out of them. It's so funny.
0: <laughs> I remember when Dwayne Johnson was gonna do a, uh, a Johnny Bravo live action movie, and it never happened. I was like, oh, it's so heartbroken. But it's gonna be hard to get an idea like that across. <laughs>
2: A lot of Cartoon Network stuff. That's not honorable mention. Ed, Ed, Nettie.
0: Yeah, we're um, we're about to do a Halloween episode with Courage the Cowardly Dog and um, Evil Con Carney, Billy and Graham. Because that was all kind of a universe. Uh, and I've, I'm actually really enjoying all the Cartoon Network stuff, especially in the beginning.
2: Yeah, Courage the Cowardly Dog. That was a that's a little honorable mention. I forgot about that one. That was a that was a fun show. I watched it just recently too. Now I think about it, And it's a. Uh, oh, I remember it was a. Uh, it's the one where uh, Mario gets uh, attacked by that big foot and it he swallows her, and encourages he has to get he has to get her out by like licking the foot.
0: The uh, the old He's man is like- so brutal to Courage. You're just like, how does Courage just not snap his neck and just live out a peaceful life with Muriel? Stupid dog! <laughs> Terrible human. <you> <laughs> Anything else for your what list? Are you dog! <laughs> Was there anything yeah, else that we honorable mention?
2: Um, probably Rugrats. Oh, it's so
0: good. It's pretty
2: uh, nostalgia because it got to a point where it just, Rugrats just got weird. It's just like, Ugh, this is like, this is gross. Yeah, like when they talk about like you can you can take your poop and hide it in your room. You can just stop pooping all your together. and an next in your diaper. Like. What?
0: That's, that's, that's insane. I never saw it that far. It must be influenced from Ren and Stippe or something. Or like when,
2: uh, well, the parents are terrible in that show. Or like, the the dad of Tommy and, uh, and, uh, Dill, he goes up, gets up at four in the morning and makes chocolate pudding. <laughs> like, I, I know you've seen the meme of this. He's like, like, still, what are you doing making chocolate pudding? I've lost control of my life. Like, <laughs> he's a pothead. That's so depressing. He's a pothead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, <coughs> alright well I think you made an excellent list lots of variety uh, I mean I know there's yes, There's a lot of superhero stuff in there shut up there's always going to be superhero stuff I can't imagine at least one thing will make the list of anybody anybody even my mother would be like yeah just at least pretty good um, so thank you Cameron for coming <laughs> on the show and anything else you want to throw out there before we go
2: Um, just laugh have a good time guys uh, watch cartoons and That's pretty much all I got.
0: All right, everybody check us out on Facebook under back in tune. You'll find every episode there as well as our spinoff series comics on infinite earths, which Cameron actually, I forgot to mention you were guest on a few episodes last year. So thank you for doing that. I was overwhelmed and you and William did some episodes for us. No problem. No problem at all. And hopefully down the road we'll get some more going. Uh, It's winter. I get busy. I work retail. Basically, I'm a guy who goes, yes, all right, and smile at you while I hate your guts. That's what retail is, people. And um, thank you very much for supporting (laughs) us. We're about to go into our fourth year and our final year of Back in Tunes. And uh, have a good night. Yeah.